All right. So last year, last week we talked about we're going to start this one-year Bible thing. If you were here last week, uh, I showed, uh, yeah, I got my one-year Bible over here. Um, this is a, it's a Bible that's kind of reformatted in a way that it has dates on it. So like this is April 15th. And it has a section of the Old Testament, a section of the New Testament, a Psalm and a Proverbs. And it tells you on, on April 15th, you read that stuff. And on April 16th, you go to the next one and you just kind of move through. And at the end of a year, you'll have read the entirety of God's word. We talked about the importance of God's word and how it, how it changes us and challenges us. I told you that I didn't really grow spiritually until the moment when I started reading my Bible. My student minister challenged me. So I challenged you the same way my guy challenged me. And, and I, I've heard that some of you are actually doing it. And some of you have read your Bible for the first time, uh, maybe ever. Some of you have read more of Scripture in this last seven days than you have in the previous year combined. And I'm excited about that. And I told you that I knew most of you were going to be a little bit lazy and you weren't going to do it. And I recognize that. I know a lot of you just aren't going to think it's important and you've got something better to do. And I understand that. I, don't, I think you're wrong, but I know it's going to happen. But I knew that there was going to be 10, 15, 20 a hundred, I don't know, of you in this room who are going to read God's word. It was going to change everything about you and it's worth it to me. So what we're going to do this entire semester and probably this whole year is, is on Wednesday nights, I'm going to speak on the things that you read on Monday and Tuesday. I'm going to pick something out of what you read that you studied on your own and we're going to talk about that. And so we'll kind of keep trucking together. So I'm reading this stuff with you. I'm, I'm right there in it with you. I'm having to carve out the time the same way you are. So I'm caught up. I haven't read today's yet, um, but I finished yesterday's. I'm, I'm caught up. I'm doing the thing right there with you. So I understand what you're going through. Um, so this, this week we're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter 9. So if you've got a Bible, go to Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to work from there. If you haven't started doing the one-year Bible thing and you get interested in doing that, I don't want you to feel the pressure necessarily to go back to the January 1 thing and, and catch up. I just want you to start on whatever date you decide that you want to join in. I want you to start on that date and pick up right there. And if you get a week behind or something, if, if you break your arm and somebody puts you in a medically induced coma and you can't read your Bible for a week, I don't want you to... I want you to catch up, but I want you to keep going more. So if you get behind, I want you to pick up on the next date that you feel like you can move forward and keep trucking. Understand? I would care more about you reading throughout the year than I do you reading every single date. All right? So Matthew chapter 9 is where we're going to be. It's a passage you're really familiar with. We're going to hit it real quick, and then I'm, ooh, we're spending a ton of time on this. Um, hit it real quick, and then I'm going to uh, let you guys work on something on your own. Okay? It's uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. For most of you, this is a passage you, you know backwards and forwards. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So this is a picture of, of Jesus coming and he, he looks down on a crowd. You guys at Sparkman know about crowds, right? Yeah, yeah. I knew about crowds in my high school. I remember uh, walking out of my classroom door and there were so many bodies in the way that the door couldn't open. That sound familiar? You, and I, I remember going through my hallway and, uh, and practicing my bob and weave, right? Because there's just like massive structures everywhere that you have to bob and weave around if you're ever going to get anywhere in the next 10 years, right? 
And I'm like, I'm like, I'm a little guy, right? And I, it almost felt like I was a race car driver or something. If it, it was less frustrating if I imagined that way. And I'm like juking people out, you know? And, but then you get annoyed, right? You're in the midst of the crowd. It's this sea of humans. And you're, and you're trying to plow through. You're trying to get to history or whatever. And, and you, you, you line up with somebody. You know, you see them coming. And they're, they're 10, 15 feet away. And you're going the same direction. There's nothing, no really way that you can avoid each other. And one of you is going to blink, right? And it's not going to be you. Right? And you, you kind of square up and you kind of, I get as big as I can. I'm like 5'10 and I weigh like 80 pounds. And I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting big, right? I was always the guy who folded. I mean, 300-pound dudes coming at me and I'm, I'm, I'm trucking. And, and you do that, that weird like dance move, like Matrix style, right? Where they, their shoulder like breezes past your Adam's apple and you barely avoid suffocation. And you just keep moving. That, that's my idea of crowd. And Jesus sees this, this swarm of people, which when I'm in crowds, I get frustrated. When, I'm, when I see a crowd of people, I avoid it. I will drive halfway through Georgia not to sit in traffic on 72. I do not like crowds. Matthew 9, Jesus sees a crowd and it says he has compassion on them. When Jesus sees a mass of us and he, he, he looks down on the And this crowd of people, and he says he has compassion on them because they were helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. See, when Jesus looked on like a mass of humanity, uh, he didn't see a bother. He didn't see burden. He saw um, lostness. And I I think back to being in those high school uh, hallways and and walking amongst those people and um, the frustration that I felt and... um, Looking back on that, I don't remember ever feeling compassion on, on the crowds. I don't remember ever thinking about those, those swarms of people from a spiritual perspective. I just kind of saw them as something in my way. See, it's, there's people that you walk past in your hallways every day um, who do not have a relationship with the God of the universe. They don't have the hope that you know. They don't have the, I don't know, the comfort or the security that you know. And we walk past people every day that, that are lost, that have no hope, that have no Savior, that their sins still rest on them, who, unless something changes, will spend eternity separated from God. And that doesn't phase us. That's just not okay. I remember when lostness finally started... Um, that like the severity, like the weight of lostness finally kind of settled on me. I remember the first time that um, I was thinking about the fact that people that I had known, people that I was close with, people even in my, my extended family, like people in my family, man, that didn't have a relationship with Jesus, that they didn't have any of the stuff that matters to me. They didn't have the comfort I have. They didn't have a savior, that they didn't have the freedom from sin that I experienced. And and I remember the very first time that weighed on me enough that I just sat down and I wept over the lostness of the people that I know. I was driving in my car. I was in Texas. Um, I was in seminary. I'm out of college. I'm I'm like, you know, 22 years old. I'm driving down the interstate. And I just just start crying in my car, thinking about all of the people who, um, who I had known and just walked right past. Jesus looked at the crowds and he saw that they were helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd and he had compassion on them. And it says this. He didn't walk out into the crowds. He didn't go um, jump down in there and start telling everybody he could uh, that he was the Savior. He turns to his followers. 
turns to his followers and he says this, the harvest is plentiful, right? He looks out over all these people who don't, who don't have a relationship with God. He looks out over these people and he says, the harvest is plentiful. The opportunity is, is endless. The amount of work that needs to be done is, is endless. He says, but the workers are few. So pray and ask that the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, for a long, long time, when I, when I heard that passage, and I, I heard that we were supposed to, that, that Jesus encouraged us to pray and ask that God would send out workers. I always thought about that as just bodies, right? That, that, that God just wants us to go out and share. And that's true, but, but there's, there's, something diff- there's something special about that word workers. It, it, a better translation of it is, is laborers. It's, it's, a, it's a different idea than just a warm body. It's, it's somebody who's trained to do something. Like, I'm not a trained electrician. I had to change my water heater out last year. Uh, I tweeted about it. Some of you tweeted that you were, that like several of the adults in our, our, our church like offered to come to my house because they were convinced I was going to burn my house down. That's a real possibility for me. Okay, <laughs> that's real. Like Marcus Cochran texted me like, hey dude, seriously, you want me to come over there? Like you're gonna die. <laughs> I kind of did. Right? I'm, not a, I'm not an electrician. I'm not trained for that. I have no idea what I'm doing. There's red wires. You put those red wires together. There's white wires. You stick those together and you hope nothing bad happens, right? It's not rocket science. Clear. I should be able to figure this out. And for the most times I do and sometimes stuff blows up, whatever. Um, it's, it just hurts a little or a lot. Your arm goes numb. You're fine. Um, I'm not a trained electrician. So if there's, a, if there's an electrical problem, no one's going to call me and say, hey, Britton, uh, I know that you have no clue to do how to do anything, but you want to come fix this or just give it a shot? No one's going to call me. No one's going to call me about that because I'm not trained for it. I'm not a trained laborer. Students, um, it is one thing entirely to, to think, think about the fact that God has called us to go out in the harvest field and try to share our faith with the lost around us. That's absolutely true. But he's also called us to be prepared, to be trained and equipped and, and to know what we're doing and to have some semblance of a plan as, we, as you go out. It's not just, it's, 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 it's more intentional than that. So sometimes in our student ministry, we, we do things to try to help uh, train and equip you to have different ways that you can approach somebody. And we did, the, we did the apologetics thing. We talked about the way to approach kind of different people of different um, faith backgrounds and different philosophy stuff. We did that. Uh, I think last semester we did the thing where you sat around and you just kind of shared your stories with each other. Somebody accepted Christ after that because of you guys sitting in a room just kind of sharing your stories about what God had done with you. Somebody in, in greenhouse that night sat down over here against that wall right where the Kindle boys are and, and prayed to receive Christ right there because you were sharing your story and they heard that they didn't have that relationship that you did. It's incredible. So tonight I want to give you something else. I want to give you one more um, shot to, to, to be a more a better trained laborer. And if you're not a Christian in the room, that's cool. Um, this is going to be fine. You're not going to feel weird about this at one bit. So um, I'm going to give you some instructions in just a minute. Before I do, uh, we've got some leaders. Um, how, how about this? Adult leaders and seniors if there's, uh, there's stacks of 
papers, the tall ones over there in the windowsills. If you'll grab those and help me pass those out, everybody in the room needs to get one of those. Um, how about some of, you, some of you guys, some of you juniors, will you grab some of those too? That a girl, Lauren. If you'll pass those out. All right, so what this is, this is, um, where's mine? This is a strategy called creation to Christ. All right, it's called creation to Christ. Everybody needs one. Everybody needs one. All right, we got to go fast. So uh, if, you, if you got what you need, grab a seat. If, if you need one, raise your hand. Great. Okay. So. All right, all right, all right, listen up. The next thing I want you to do, I want you to get into, uh, yeah, I want you to do this now. I want you to get into groups of three. And I want you to turn, turn towards each other like in a little triangle, like turn your bodies toward each other. If you need to spread out to the back of the room, that's cool, do that. Just get your group of three and find some space. Hey. Adults, I just want you guys to wander around and make sure we're okay. So adults, you're just going to monitor in a minute and make sure people don't need, need help. All right, listen up. Listen up, listen up. All right. I'm assuming you're with people that you know. If you don't know each other, tell each other your names. All right. Cool. Okay, up here. Listen up. All right. Let me tell you this is going to work. Let me tell you this is going to work. Um, ah, I forgot pins. Okay. This is going to happen. Um, we'll, do, we'll do pins in just a second. We're going to give everybody a pin too, but I'm going to explain what's going to go on first, then we're going to bring you pins after I release you to do it, okay? Okay, so I want you to take your sheet. I want you to look at the first page. It's got all the pictures on the front. This, this is a strategy known as creation to Christ. It's a way to explain um, in short form everything that God's been up to like forever, okay? And it's got 12 points. So these are, these are hopefully, once you get used to doing this, these are gonna be 12 things that you can remember and you can work through on your own. If you're gonna sit down and try to tell somebody everything that God's been up to, in the gist of it, for like forever, okay? So there's 12 things. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to briefly explain what each one of these 12 things mean, okay? So listen to me. No talking. If you can, if you can keep, put your eyes on me, do that. Just turn your body just a little bit and put your eyes on me. Unless you're like directly underneath me. That's weird. Um, so if you can see me, cool. All right. Follow along with me, okay? The first one says the most high God. This is the idea that, that there, a God exists. There's something greater than what can be seen or known here. 
And this is a holy and perfect God. That's, that's, that's the, the best, most perfect thing you could possibly imagine. And the second one's creation. And so this God um, has existed from eternity past before anything existed. And, and this God created. He created everything that we know. He created the heavens and the earth and the stars and the planets and earth. And the third one says God and man. God also created people. People like you and like me. And the first one was named Adam and his wife was named Eve. And they were in this garden together. And they had this perfect relationship with God where God was like walking through the garden and spending time with them. It was the, it was the relationship that we were created to have with God. They just spent time together throughout the day. And the fourth one says sin and separation. But um, there's only one rule. Uh, these, this Adam and Eve were not supposed to eat of this one tree. And then they did that. And they brought sin into the world. And that broke the relationship that they had with God and that all people from then on were going to have with God. Where There was something separating them from their father. It was sin. It was rebellion. It was brokenness. So God set up, um, in the course of history, he set up uh, some rules to help guide people back towards him. There's this, these commandments, and there's these Ten Commandments um, that God set up for us, and he set up a, a system of sacrifice. That's the sixth one. The sixth one. Set up this system of sacrifices where people were trying to, uh, people would have to pay the punishment for their sin through this system of sacrifices. That system didn't, um, couldn't save forever, and it was a temporary fix. So the seventh one, God sent his son, Jesus, came as a baby, and this is the time we celebrate as Christmas. God sent his son here. He didn't have to, but God didn't want to abandon us in this broken relationship thing, so he sent his son here. Jesus was, this eighth one, Jesus was God's son. He was more than just a person. He was more than just a guy. He was God's very own son that, was, that existed with God from the very, very beginning. And the ninth one, Jesus didn't just come and live a good life and like make a cool plan for us or something. He came and he sacrificed himself on the cross in your place. And he died that day as a, as a substitute for you. He took your punishment and he paid it on the cross that day for you and for me and for everyone else who would accept it. Three days later, that's the, uh, what about 10? The 10th one is the resurrection where Jesus, um, anybody can die. Everybody can say that they're paying the penalty for all the sin of the world. But three days later, Jesus rose from the grave proving that he was more than just a guy. Proving he was just some man who made up a cool story or whatever, that he was the very son of God. He rose from the grave on the third day. The eleventh uh, one is repentance. So as we approach, as we come back to this relationship where, where Jesus has made a way for our sin to be forgiven, the way that we ha- come into this relationship with God is we repent from our sin. We turn away from um, all the things that are separating us from God. We, we change our direction, and instead of chasing after our way of life, we chase after God. We follow Jesus with everything we've got. That's what repentance means. And the last one is kingdom, so that when we enter into that relationship with Jesus, there's the, the kingdom of God comes where, uh, where life is remade and things are new again, both here and for eternity. And for eternity, we get to spend um, in fellowship with God in a place called heaven because of what Jesus has done for us. Okay, that's, that's, that's the basic way this flows. That's what, the, that's what the 12 little things, the little icons or whatever there represent. So when you flip over to the next page, it's got, uh, this is from International World Changers, by the way. We're going with them in 2015. Okay, so on the next page and the following pages, the three following pages, you've got the, the same picture there, right? And you've got a paragraph explanation with just some key points off to the side, okay? You see what I'm talking about? 
For each of the 12, you've got a paragraph explaining it, but then you've just got some bullet points off to the side. So here's what, I'm gonna, here's what we're going to do. In just a second, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop talking, and um, I'm just going to let you work. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to let you work. What you're going to do, we're going to bring you pens, and I just want you to, to underline some, whatever things you think need to be said in that section. So everybody in your group, on each of your own papers, you're going to underline the things that you want to, if you were going to do this, you want to make sure are said. You want to underline the most important stuff. Go all, all 12 of them quickly, underlining what you need to do. And then what I want you to do, I just want you to take turns, and, and one of you do the first one, one of you do the second one, one of you do the third one. If, if you're in a group, man, and, and you don't want to do this, okay. You can't go nuts. You can't flip out. If there's, I want then the other two people in your group, you just go back and forth. Okay, so if you're a guest tonight, man, you don't have, you don't have, I mean, if you're not feel comfortable sharing or whatever, that's cool. If you don't know whatever this is talking about, that's fine. If all three of you in your group are completely unwilling to share, um, wave at me and uh, I'm going to come hang out with you. It's going to be fun. Okay, um, we'll just be buddies. I'll just do it for you. Okay, <laughs> you're just all waving. Good. Um, okay, so that's, that's the deal. You're going to underline everything you think is important and you're going to take turns trying to explain it the way I did. Does that make sense? All right, it's 7 o'clock. You're going to have it till 7.05. You only got five minutes, so you got to go quick. Cool? All right, go. Work quick. You got four minutes. Just go quick. We may have to wait a little bit longer. It's okay. Work through the key points. Underline what's important. I'm going to give you an extra five minutes, so you're okay. You got nine minutes. Underline the key points that you think are important, then work through it. You're underlining what you think is important, and then you're trying to share it. You're trying to work through it.
All right, you should have underlined what you need to underline. So I want you to go back to the top, pick somebody to go first, and try your best to share that one thing. Work down through all 12. All right, you got about three more minutes. Work quick.
All right. All right. That's about all we got. All right, look at me. Look up here. Look at me. Put your eyes on me. Turn around, put your eyes on me. I'm fully aware that there's probably 15 of you in the room that aren't Christians. What you've got in your hand is a quick explanation of some of what we believe. It's a good starting point. So even if you just take that thing home and look over that to try to figure it out and get some, maybe a couple of questions answered, good. If that creates a few more questions, great. Talk to me or one of us. Um, talk to one of your friends in the room. Talk to whoever invited you. You've got a good tool. Uh, now, if you are a Christian in the room, um, I, I, I completely understand the fact that, that you did not have enough time to memorize all 12 of those things and just babble that stuff off off the top of your head. You don't have that down. But you do have a resource that you can take home with you and you can look at and you can try to figure out how to work through on your own. So if you come across somebody who has no conception of what it means to be a Christian, you can start from the very beginning and walk through it in a way that makes sense. Because I don't know about you, the very first time I tried to share my faith with somebody and tried to explain the whole deal, it was such a giant mess that I think I sat there like an hour and a half and it didn't make any sense. To make any sense. There was no organization at all. That's not being a trained laborer. That's not knowing what you're doing. So we're periodically going to give you different tools. This is a really, really good one. It's just very expansive. This is big boy stuff, all right? So I want you to take your stuff home. If you're a Christian, I want you to study it. I want you to be able to, I want you to, be able to work through this. I want you to be able to put your paper down, look yourself in the mirror, and, and work through this in a way that makes some sense. And if you're not a Christian, I want you to go home and I want you to circle things that you have questions about or stuff that you just think is fake. I don't care. And I want you to ask somebody about it. I want you to do something with it. I don't want to see any of these left in here in the middle of the floor. I want you to do something with these. All right? So here's what I want to need. I want you to stand up. I want you to take your paper, fold it up, put it in your pocket. Yeah. Paper go in a pocket or whatever. Thanks, man. All right. Do not forget those. All right. So now at 7-Eleven, it's time for us to get our little set. So, all right, can y'all come? Can y'all can y'all bring it up a little bit? Back corner, people, come on. All right, cool. I want to pray for you. We're gonna get started. All right, listen up. You've been talking 30 minutes. Come on, listen. Back corner, people. Come on, bring it in. Somebody help them. All right. I want to pray for you, and then we're going to get started, okay? I know you've been working a lot. I know you've had a lot of time to talk. Um, during this, I, I want you to focus. I, I want you to worship. I want you to pay attention to the words that you're singing and actually decide whether you mean it or not. I want you to sing what you mean, and if you're not sure about it, I want you to stand there and think about it. I want you to do what you need to do in this time as long as it's productive, as long as it's focused in the direction that we're here to focus on. Cool? All right. I want to pray for you, and then we'll worship. Father, um, thank you for the opportunity we had tonight to, uh, to maybe stretch a little bit and be reminded that we need to be um, working to train ourselves uh, to do something about the lostness that surrounds us, that we can't, we can't claim to have this relationship with Jesus and then do nothing with it. That's just unacceptable. Um, 
So I pray that for the Christians in the room that you would um, you'd give them a burden for the lost around them, that you would uh, challenge them to equip themselves to be able to share, that you would give them opportunities to do so. And for the people in the room who aren't Christians, God, um, I pray that you would give them questions, and that you'd give them the boldness to ask someone, to ask a friend, to ask an adult, to ask someone. Meet with us in this time. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.